All right, what's going on, everybody? Joe and Peter here, welcoming you back to Providence POV. A little bit of a change up this week. We are recording on Sunday, February 18th. You'll still be listening to this on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. We're coming to you directly after a Providence victory, uh, a shaky victory over DePaul 81 70. Uh, you know, not so convincing in the final minutes of the second half there. Um, Honestly, really, if you're looking at the entirety of the game, not so convincing throughout a majority of the first half either. But nevertheless, a win is still a win. The Friars improve to 17 and 9 on the season and do a little bit of a chin up out of the logjam into sole ownership of fifth place in the conference at 8 and 7. Peter, how you doing on this fine Sunday morning? I'm I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a pretty performance. Uh, eleven point win over DePaul at home after you spanked them by thirty eight the the first time around. <laughs> yeah, and being up twenty three with about like two minutes, a little less than two minutes left, and then giving up a twelve over run to end the game uh, isn't great as well. It also felt like that first half they were kind of sleepwalking. And they didn't seem really interested in playing uh, in that game. They took too many threes. They did all that type of thing. But we avoided, it was never really in doubt, but you avoided a potential, I guess, nightmare scenario and you you moved the chains, basically. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, I was watching that game and I never was nervous, right? Like yeah. if this was any other team in the conference, maybe except for Georgetown, I would be I would have been, you know, sweating watching that game. But knowing it was DePaul, knowing the, all of the struggles that DePaul has gone through the past decade plus um, in this conference, I wasn't sweating. But that doesn't mean I'm not disappointed because, like you said, Peter, we went to their place and kicked their asses. And mm-hmm. now they come in on accepted students day, neon night, you know, Providence breaks out the black and yellow, sharp-looking throwback jerseys, and DePaul's given us a game. And I don't know, you know, normally I would credit the opponent for playing well. I don't really think that DePaul played well. I just think that, you know, Providence, the the players came out and were complacent, right? And how can you not be when you're 18 to 25 and you already beat this team by 40 points, right? Like you think this is a guaranteed win. And I think that's why if you've listened to the post-game press conference, I think that's why Kim English was so pissed. Um, mm-hmm. And to 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 make things worse, right? Providence more or less reconciled a, a poor first half by going up 23 in the second half. Um, Kim said that out of the 40 minutes, they probably played about 14 minutes of really good basketball. That was in the second half. Um, but, you know, over the final minute 45 stretch, you know, Providence was up 81-58 with a plus 23 advantage. And DePaul rattles off a 12-0 run to, you know, for the game to end 81-11. Providence up 11, uh, 81-70, sorry, with Providence up 11 points. And at this point in the season, when, you know, you're playing for positioning on the bubble, you're playing for Big East tournament seating, uh, you know, Honestly, when you're trying to, uh, broken record here, reconcile for the loss of Bryce Hopkins and find momentum and find scoring in any way possible, you know, th- this just, that's just not acceptable. You know, 
it, Carter it, and Oduro, and we kind of buried the lead here, but Carter and Oduro had great nights as per usual, and that's not even the storyline. Uh, the storyline is Providence escapes to Paul. So uh, 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 kind of a disappointing win. A win is a win nevertheless, and you know I'm going to say that a thousand times just to keep us grounded here, but um, you know it, it's to Paul, and you really should be – pounding DePaul, not not scraping by by 11 points in the final seconds. Yeah, and the offense was interesting because obviously they relied on two guys, and you and I have talked about this a million times, uh, and it's tough to like sugarcoat it. Like The offense relies on two guys, and then it's a, a supporting cast that's very inconsistent around Adoro and Carter. But that, like, as the game was going on, that's what I was like, okay, that's what we'll talk about on t- uh, for the next for next episode. That's what it kind of feels like. I was more a little bit disappointed with the defense. Mm-hmm. I just thought giving up one 30 points in the first half is not bad to DePaul, right? Like, that's not terrible. It's bad, I guess, in DePaul's standards, but you're in pace to give up 60 points. It's not the end of the world. Uh, 40 points in the second half when you score 47 is kind of tough, and obviously that's inflated with the last couple minutes of the game going on a 12-0 run, but like you can't you can put that to the side but you can't at the same time right because it's not like you had five walk-ons on the court you had guys that are legit contributors to this team scholarship players yeah you have guys that it's it's this team's not deep enough to have just random guys start playing basketball in the last two minutes like that they had guys that contribute to wins and contribute to minutes and then play legit minutes on the court uh, it just happened to be that Josh Adoro and Devin Carter weren't on the court, and that shouldn't matter. Uh, twenty three, right? Like you have to go defend, you have to go do your do your job. And I, look, the defense overall just didn't feel like there was a ton of a ton of effort. They gave up nine offensive rebounds. I, I just thought they weren't uh, they weren't in it at the moment, right? Like they kind of saw like we're talented enough, we're better than this team. We don't have to put our full effort in. And look, that is dangerous in college basketball because sometimes that gets you beat. It's just DePaul is not a dangerous like nine-win team. They're a terrible three-win team. So that's kind of that's kind of the difference there. Yeah. Uh, it's most bottom teams in college basketball conferences that are feisty and that like win eight to ten games. This team is nowhere near that in DePaul. Mm-hmm. But I kind I kinda wish we had a little bit more a little more energy, a little more energy on the defensive side of the ball, right? Like yep. this game you show you don't really show up in the first half. It's whatever, right? You're up four. You're fine. Like I, like you said, Joe. I never thought we were going to lose this game. I never thought this game was in doubt. I was yep. more like annoyed that I have to keep like even my hundred percent paying attention to the game in the sense of like, oh, I can go like walk around, for, not walk around, but like, oh, if I miss a player too, it's not the end of the world. Where most Big East games, you you want to watch every play because every game is so tight. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is kind of pissing me off. Like, it's why is this this close? And then in the second half. You woke up, uh, like you said, up 23. And then you, we, we leave a sour talking on the Sunday morning. And you guys obviously be listening on Tuesday, but it'll be a little uh, less fresh in people's minds. But it kind of leaves you a bit of a sour taste how they ended that game. Yeah, 100%. Um, you look at the, the stats of this game, um, and you really, uh, other than DePaul shooting 43% uh, for the game, there's really nothing that you can be too upset about. Um, like you said, Peter, the, the frustrations lie in the effort, right? Um, 
And I honestly, I think they started the game. The Providence started the game and set the tone for the level of effort that was going to be put out in the first half. Providence was five for five from two and oh I forget the stat now but they they took 18 threes I think they were four or five from for 18 from deep like I want I want to ask you something Joe sorry to cut you off doesn't no, that ahead. feel like that is the opposite of what you should be doing like heading into the game like doesn't that doesn't that I'm gonna ask you doesn't that feel like and maybe you're getting to this but like a little bit yeah. of a lazy lazy start to the game in the sense of like yeah. we'll have open threes we're just gonna shoot threes it's the easy way yeah instead of actually grinding it out and getting into the paint where we succeed most of the hundred percent. You beat, you beat me to the punch there. Um, it's immaturity is what it is. And I'm repeating what Kim English said in the press conference, because honestly, I thought it was his best press conference to date. Um, mm-hmm. I love just how raw and brutally honest he is. Um, it's immaturity. You, you beat this team by 38 points and, how do you start your second matchup with them at home? By taking 18 threes in the first half and only five two-pointers. That's unacceptable. If it wasn't DePaul, that's a recipe to lose a game. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, back to my bigger point here. Um, the lack of energy, the lack of effort isn't going to be seen in the stat sheet, Right. We out-rebounded DePaul. We shot better from the field. We shot better from deep. We shot better from the free-throw line. Uh, More offensive rebounds, more defensive rebounds, uh, plus 10 in the rebounding margin, more assists to made field goals, uh, you know, more steals, more blocks, same amount of turnovers, more points, right? Like that's what it comes down to, um, statistically speaking. But defensively speaking in terms of effort, energy, hustle, right? Like DePaul was making open looks and, you know, this isn't a DePaul team that is a good shooting team. Mm -hmm. This isn't a DePaul team that uh, regularly shoots 43.9% from the field. And that is because of Providence's lackluster defense. Now, all that said, do I think that Kim English is going to hold the guys accountable and make them reconcile for this? A hundred percent. Um, you know, the way he sounded last night in the presser did not sound like, you know, these guys are going to have a, a soft Sunday morning or, you know, a, a, a lackadaisical uh, President's Day off from class tomorrow. <laughs> if I'm Kim mm-hmm. English, I'm busting these guys' asses at practice for the next two days and preparing for a rematch against Xavier because that's what this comes down to is that, you know, this was this this was supposed to be a tune-up game before you go and seek revenge against a team that beat you by twenty on your home floor. And instead, uh, Providence slept walk to the finish line. And you know, th- at this point in the season, halfway through February, that's not acceptable. Uh, so I'm hoping that Kim gets the guys right for Wednesday. But um, you know, enough negativity. Uh, a win is still a win, and. You know, I'll, I'll I'll say that till I'm blue in the face because I much rather would be in this position bitching about little nuances, but being alone in fifth place at eight and seven and seventeen and nine, than I would having come on here after a loss. So, yeah. every put every putting things in perspective here, things could have been much 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 worse. Um, you know, if another team comes out like that against DePaul watch out because they might as well, they might just lose. So mm-hmm. thankfully it wasn't us. Providence did enough to avoid defeat. Um, but in that, 
we, you know, we got to talk about Devin Carter and Josh Oduro, who uh, are arguably the best one-two punch in the conference. Uh, Carter with a, another record-breaking night, or I guess a record-tying night, 31 points, 13 rebounds, seven made free, uh, three-pointers, 10 for 14 from the floor. Josh Oduro, 27 points, six rebounds, 10 for 12 from the floor, two of three from deep. Those two guys, like we've said, remarkably efficient, continue to set the league on fire. Uh, just, you know, it's not, it's days like this where you're happy that they're on your team, you know? No, no, 100%. And I think we talk about it probably every recording we do, especially uh, on post-game recordings, uh, about Josh Adoro and about Devin Carter because they're having that good of seasons. And even when Josh Adoro didn't play, we talked about Josh Adoro because of how big of his impact it was that he wasn't playing in the game. And yeah, it's, 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 I'm, I'm kind of out of like, out of words to say with those two, because they just keep doing, keep doing their job. Like Adoro is efficient 10 for 12. Right? Like he should have took probably 10 more shots. Uh, he was two for three from three. They left him open a couple times. He burned them. Right. He had six rebounds, 27 points. And then obviously Devin Carter was efficient from the field, efficient from the three, up from the one added in uh 13 rebounds and yeah those i said this a couple weeks ago and i think everyone agrees now and it's starting to become more of a, a trend or just more of it's picking up more steam like cherish devin carter and every game he gives you because he won't be in a providence college uniform uh next year you also no. can say the same thing for josh duro who also won't be in a providence college <laughs> uniform but that is for Different reasons in him graduating uh, and running out of eligibility. Well, obviously, Devin Carter still has eligibility left, but it, that's obviously both very, very unfortunate. But you got to enjoy it, and you you need those guys to keep keep doing their things because if this team wants to get to where it is or get to where they want to be, which is I guess make a run in the Big East tournament and then obviously get into the NCAA tournament, right? These two guys have to keep doing their things. And then we talk about this all the time. The supporting cast has to, I guess, be a little bit more consistent. And it's it's so unfortunate because you have you have guys that are not currently playing that could have had major impacts on this team. And obviously a couple of those guys, one being Justin Fernandez and obviously another one being uh Bryce Hopkins, uh that directly come to mind. But like I thought Pierre was good last night. Yeah. Uh, he he picked it up in the second half. And look, Ticket struggled, and I think we've come to terms what Ticket is on this team, right? He is a a guy that's going to hustle, he's going to rebound, he's going to defend, but he he's either making his threes or he's not, right? Like there's no really in between game. He's not gonna he, he can get to the lane, but that's not part of his game. And he would have fit, he fits perfectly if you have a third score. It just because the fact that we don't have a legit third score puts a little bit more pressure on him and then puts him out of a role that I think he wants to be in. But going back to the Adoro and Carter, like they were great again. And it's, it's good, but it's also a bit scary, Joe, because what happens on Wednesday night if one of them has a semi off night, semi off night, right? Well, really dicey, and we've seen it happen in in a couple of the losses in Big East play. Josh Duro having a couple off nights from the field, and that that cost us, right? Like it's 
it, it gets a little dicey because you don't know where that third score is going to come or even if it's going to come because there was only two guys in double figures last night. Uh, obviously, Pierre had nine. He was pushing it. But the second closest guy behind Pierre with nine had five points, and that was Rafael Castro in, in 11 minutes, right? So it, 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 gets a, it gets a little nerve-wracking when you think about that. Well, I think that's why Kim English is a little upset too, right? Mm-hmm. When you play DePaul, and you know Kim is typically pretty good about you know being respectful and you know may, not shitting on teams, but when you play DePaul, your supporting cast is supposed to have a good night, right? Like you, it shouldn't be a case where you take out Devin and Josh and the wheels fall off the bus, right? Like you should take out against DePaul, you should take out Devin and Josh and still be holding a comfortable 15 point lead at the minimum. And Mm -hmm. like you just said, Peter, this is where the supporting cast needs to step it up. Now, Jaden Pierre uh, did a fine job. Um, I thought, he was the difference maker in helping inflate the lead to 23. Uh, he had back to back to back three pointers, uh, a nine point swing for Jaden. Um, obviously there were a couple of other baskets in there. They weren't consecutive, but in terms of shots that he was taking, he made three in a row. So Jaden did, you know, what he was supposed to. Um, so that's a plus in terms of ticket. Uh, it came out in the post-game press conference that the reason Ticket was wearing that mask all game, he has stitches over his eye and he has a broken nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is from that first play back against St. John's. Um, and the, the one thing I want to say to that is, holy shit, Ticket played with a broken nose against St. John's. Like he broke his nose and came back and played against St. John's. He probably that didn't is, know he broke his nose. Right, like... Kim Kim dropped that little bomb at the end of the press conference and then got up and walked out. So uh, I, I'm going to give Ticket a pass here because yeah. I broke my nose playing rugby uh, sophomore year of college. And the first day or two, you don't really feel it. It's after you get that thing reset and a couple days sit that you really start to feel like this in, intense amount of pressure in your head. And it, it is like I've had, you know, four or five surgeries. I've broken a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Breaking my nose was by far the most painful and the most uncomfortable. Like, I, I, I don't know if you're a nose breather or a mouth breather, but having broken my nose was, nose yeah, it was awful. So <laughs> I'm from personal experience alone, I'm going to give ticket the pass here because That's playing right. basketball like at the division one level with a broken nose is probably the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And he did it for 26 minutes last night. So that's, that's fair. That's tough. Like you need his voice. You need his leadership out there. So I'm going to give him a pass. Uh, That's fair. I'm probably more talking about, probably maybe we could put last minute aside. We can put an asterisk next to it, but more just in general of what ticket games is outside of last night. That's probably what I was more. uh, Oh yeah. Alluding to. Um, what I will say though, is guys like Rich Barron, Corey Floyd, Jr. Garway Dual, the, the guys who played really well in the absence of Josh Oduro down at Butler, 
those guys uh, are the guys that are probably in the spotlight right now at practice because of the way that they played last night. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this isn't meant to knock them or bring them down uh, more. So just to hold them accountable because, you know, Baron can shoot the three, but I, I I don't think his shot selection is always the best. Uh, You know, the same goes for Corey Floyd, um, who was one for seven last night. He struggled. Garway Duell one for six last night. So these guys need to take smarter shots. They need to be a little more aggressive, stop settling for threes. I mean, between the three of them, Baron, Dual, and Corey Floyd, <coughs> they were one for 10 from three. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's not going to cut it. Um, no. no. And then obviously there's Rafael Castro and, you know, not going to be the not gonna be uh, no I know <laughs> I'm not gonna be the dead horse here but uh <laughs> we all uh, oh that that's all I'll say okay well uh, we'll go back to the the Baron dual and Floyd jr because I think those are more I guess prevalent because they all play I know all play 19 but they'll play 20 plus minutes a game right uh which is legit minutes and it's always tough to evaluate I think Baron more or less because one, he's a. I don't do well as a freshman, but they're both different. They're both they come in both with different pedigrees, right? When you come in where you're ranked, it's just how it is. Baron coming in at a kind of like a low three star recruit, mm-hmm. not really expected to play like any minutes here or less, and he's thrusted into playing 20 to 25 minutes. So it's always hard for me to like criticize him because I think he's playing a way more minutes than I think. Like if I told you, Joe, in February, back when we talked, it started recording in October or November, whenever it was, right? And if I told you, middle of February, Joe, Rich Barron's starting and playing 24 minutes, you would have told me I was crazy. No, that is true. So, I always give him a little pass. Doesn't mean the shot selection has to be bad. That That's not... That, they well, both are two different arguments. I So, I agree with that. Um, the, the Just to, not to cut you off, the one thing yeah. I was trying to say about Rich, right, is like Kim English says this a lot to whom much is given much is expected. If mm-hmm. you're a freshman and you're right now starting over, you know, Corey Floyd, who's been through this system for a year yeah. and a half now, like you better be playing to the best of your ability, not no. like yeah. chucking threes in transition. That's the point I was trying to make. Like I, yeah. I otherwise think Barron's a nice addition to the starting lineup, but just like in a game like this, like take smart shots. I no, I agree. I think he should. I agree. And Look, I think Corey Floyd Jr. got a little too uh, three-point happy, right? He had a – I think we saw that a little bit. I forgot his numbers against St. John's. Uh, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. But I think he had saw, seven points. I'm going to check now. What was his three-point, if you want to look that up for me? What was his three-point shooting? Uh, because we know against Butler, he had his probably his best performance of the season uh, in a lot, of, a lot of ways. And then, obviously, his three-point shooting was good against Butler, one of the reasons we stormed back in that second half. Uh, but it's so yeah. Do you have it? Mm-hmm. So in 31 minutes against St. John's, Floyd was uh, three for six from the field. He was one for two from deep with seven points and three rebounds. See, like that's like I think four threes taken from Corey Floyd when he doesn't have it is probably not the stat line you want, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he needs to be a little more aggressive getting to the hoop. Oh, uh, right, exactly. So I think because I think his athleticism is probably his best attribute that he has. 
Um, and I think he probably needs to use that a little more. When it comes to Garway, I think I've said this so many times. I, I think a lot of it is mental with Garway at the moment, yeah. right? Because you see that first step and you see his burst of athleticism and speed, but I feel like he just doesn't take it, right? Like he, he makes a nice cut to the basket, but then pulls it back, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to get downhill. And look, he has struggled finishing this year. It hasn't been his best year finishing at the rim and a freshman. And I think it's, it will come with time and I think it will come next year. But one thing that I think he needs to work on is getting downhill because he can get downhill, but he likes to dribble and get downhill, but then some, some reason cross it back over and bring it back. And then whatever he just did to make that space to be able to get into the lane, he just took it all away by changing the ball from his right hand to his left hand. And I just think he needs, I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive. I look, one for six is a lot is not a good shooting night. So he was aggressive. I just think he wasn't aggressive in his strong suit because he took three threes. So he was one for three from the from outside of three pointers. So well, I, I, the the thing with Garway too is it, you kind of said this. He dribbles way too much. Um, I think he tries yeah. to be uh, too fancy with the ball sometimes, and I think it, he gets himself into trouble. Um, to go back two games now, when we played Butler, Garway Dual had a fine game, right? In 24 minutes, he was three for five from the field, one for two from deep. He had two assists, three <laughs> steals, and seven points, right? Like, that's a good stat line for a freshman who's starting and playing 25 minutes. That's a fine stat line. Um, and what what did we say after the Butler loss is that, you know, he let the game come to him. He was aggressive, but not too aggressive and, you know, kind of played within himself. And when he does that, good things happen. When he tries to be too fancy with the basketball, when he's forcing shots that aren't there, that's when you see like the performance like last night. So uh, 100% agree with you there, Peter. Yeah. And yeah, I think he dribbles too much. And I think, he, yeah, I think he just needs to be more aggressive. And it's it's become a theme uh, this year. It's a bit unfortunate because I do think there's potential there. Uh, and I do think there's a ton of talent there. So I don't know if it's here this year. It might be more of a, a year one to a year two kind of jump, in my opinion. But it's not like one of those players, Joe, that we haven't seen it from. Like We know it's there. And then it's just not – it's not always there. Or he doesn't put it all together uh, night in and night out. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Um, I think we could spend another – well, I mean, you and I alone could spend another 40 minutes here uh, shredding what happened last night. Um, but, you know, let, let's take a little bit more of a positive spin here uh, because, you know, it isn't all doom and gloom. We did no. win the game. Uh Carter, Oduro, great. Pierre, fine. And, you know, Ticket gets the pass with a broken nose and stitches and his Batman mask. So, <laughs> uh, the supporting cast, you know, needs to pick it up, step it up a little bit. But all in all, I'm fine with the win. Uh, Providence sits alone in fifth place in the conference right now, ahead of a very big matchup on Wednesday against Xavier. Uh, the last time these two teams met Providence pulled out to an 11 point lead in the first half. And as has been the story for a lot of games this season, you and I talked about this on our last episode, Providence choked up their lead towards the end 
of the first half with that atrocious late half execution. Xavier pulls ahead at halftime and then buries the Friars 85-65 at the Amica Mutual Pavilion. Providence only scored 25 points in the second half. A big rematch coming up on Wednesday night at Xavier's place. Peter, what 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 are you looking for here in the what should be or should hopefully be a redemption tour for Providence down in in Ohio? Yeah, well, you're looking for revenge here, right? You're looking for kind of right the wrong that you did uh, a couple weeks ago at home, and you kind of got embarrassed. Not kind of, you did get embarrassed at home, so you got to right the wrong there. But with that aside, right, like this is. One, like obviously the Paul game wasn't a resume win, but this is a potential resume win because it's quad one win. And you're sitting at four quad one wins on the year, Joe, and you have a chance to get to five, right? And I think that is that is massive um mm-hmm. for this team's resume and for where this team wants to go. And look, X is flirting, they're right now probably on the wrong side of the bubble, but they're, they're not out of it. Uh, they're like they're almost out of it at the moment. They're probably a loss at home to us. Probably ends any legit tournament hopes they have, unless they go on a crazy run, which obviously is always possible in college basketball. But so this is also a big game for them. And obviously the Friars are sitting fifth uh, in the Big East play, the uh, Big East conference right now. And obviously we're recording Sunday morning. Big Big East game Sunday night, Seton Hall and St. John's. So we'll obviously see how that goes. But this game, this it feels like revenge. It feels like you need to show up because playing on the road is not easy in this conference. Mm-hmm. But I don't think DePaul, Joe, is coming in. DePaul, damn it. DePaul's not coming and playing the basketball at all. But Xavier is not playing, coming in playing good basketball at the moment. Uh, they've lost two in a row, and they've lost – I'm trying to do the quick math here. They've lost three. Four of their last five. Yes, thank you. And then, yeah, no, nope, that's not right. I'm I'm looking at the wrong side here. Since the last time we played, Providence has gone six and three. Xavier has gone five and four. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, I was looking. They have four. So they're they're, they're three and four in the last seven. That's what I was looking at. Uh, They're they're three and four in the last seven. Three out of those three wins, one's against the home win against Nova. One at Paul and won the home minute against the Johnnies. They're coming in losing two in a row. Uh, they lost to Creighton 78-71, and then they lost, they got boat raced by Seton Hall 88-70. Like, like Quincy Oliveri is very good. He's mm-hmm. averaging 19 points per game, uh, one of the best scorers in the Big East. But I don't think this Xavier team, especially with obviously no Fremantle, obviously no Jerome Hunter, this team's not great down low. This has to once again be a Josh Adoro game. Mm-hmm. But whatever happened against Xavier the first time around, burn the tape, and you you have to bounce back because you have a huge opportunity to add to your resume on Wednesday. Right. Also, keep in mind, right? Like, it just not to isolate one team here, but if you look at Seton Hall early on in the season, Seton Hall suffered a twenty point loss to Xavier, and then just kicked their teeth in. Uh, you know. The eighty-eight seventy, the last time those two teams met. So, um, if I'm the Friars, you know I'm watching that Seton Hall tape to see what they did differently because you know we also lost by twenty to Xavier, and this is a Xavier team that is well on the outside looking in uh, with respect to the NCAA tournament. So, 
you know, their record in conference play uh, might not indicate that as they are seven and seven stuck in the log jam, but overall they're 13 and 12 on the season. You know, th- this is, I'm not going to say it's a must win because it's a Q1 road opportunity, but uh, you know, preferably at this point in time during the season, during this stretch of the year, you don't really want to lose to teams that are on the outside looking in, right? Like it, it, it's not a huge smack on the wrist if I'm the NCAA tournament selection committee, mm-hmm. but winning on the road, you know, reconciling that loss from earlier in January, those are all good things. And like you said, Peter, it gets you to a fifth quadrant one victory, <laughs> which, you know, those are hard to bet against when, you know, you're evaluating resumes. So all in all, <clears throat> you want to, you know, you want to win uh, is, is yeah. what it comes down to. A loss isn't the end of the world, uh, but a win would be really, really nice. Yeah, and one of the things that goes in the Friars' favor for this week, right? Like you play Wednesday night, you play that following weekend. So you have seven days off from your matchup at Xavier to your matchup at Marquette. And I think that's good. That's really good, right? Um Rest at this time. They have it out the Big East with eleven teams. You get that like little weekend bye week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and ours coming in February, which is uh, massive, uh, just because everyone's obviously dealing with stuff and it's the home stretch and having a weekend off to prepare for obviously a huge game against Marquette. Obviously, we'll talk about that later in the week. Uh, is is massive, but it's it's. One of those games that acts like I, I agree with you, Joe. Right? Like, if you look at Joe Nardi's new bracket, bracketologist, right? Came out Sunday morning. It's gonna update when you guys listen because you guys, you guys are gonna listen Tuesday, right? Friars are now one of the last four in, so they've they worked themselves off the next four out to the first four out to now the last four in. Obviously, that is subject to change just based off teams playing on Sunday, Monday, and then obviously Tuesday and then to Wednesday. But it's a good point where the Friars are at. You can add that a win a win on. Xavier keeps you going in the right direction, and I agree with you. Like it's, you're trying to say it's you're trying to like, uh, toe a fine line here in the sense of like not a bad loss because it's a quad one opportunity. So the like, quad one opportunities are never a bad loss. But then if you look at just Xavier's record at thirteen and twelve, you're like, huh. and then like, well then you're like, well they're not even they're on that really far outside of the bubble at the moment, and you're like, Ugh. it's 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 kind of that weird type of thing where it's not. It's not a bad loss, but it's not a great loss just based off who you have after that, which is a road game at Marquette. In terms of resume, it's not a bad loss. Um, But in terms of, I think, extracurriculars and momentum, uh, not an ideal loss, right? You don't Mm want to be swept by a team in the the Big East that is objectively worse than you. And as you look ahead on this five-game stretch here to close out the season, you know, you don't really want to go into a week off with the, you know, a loss. I mean, sure, it might serve as motivation to come out hungrier against Marquette, but if you're looking at a two-game, you know, road stretch here over the next, you know, ten days, ideally you'd like to split that. So yes. starting yeah. off with a loss against the worst team <laughs> is not the way to do that. Um, but um, we're going a little long here, Peter. Any closing thoughts from you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll close a little bit on, the, on the Xavier because I think we hit the nail on the head with the Nepal game, and I think we can put that in the rearview mirror. But 
we, I think you and I talk about this all the time. And putting the NCAA tournament aside, Joe, right? You're eight and seven in conference right now. Go get to nine wins in the conference with the win on on Wednesday, mm-hmm. right? Like that is massive because you have teams playing each other. You have teams with seven wins. You have a seed hall team with nine wins, right? We don't know what they do Sunday night against St. John's, right? You, I think you just put yourself right into a picture where you're farther away from where you just were as the nine seed and you're closer to the five seed, right? Yeah. And I know you're in the five seed now, but you're closer to securing a five seed than just floating with the five seed. And a week ago, we were at the ninth spot, right? So I think getting tournament aside, getting to a ninth Big East win on the road is, I think, massive. Oh, 100%. Um, I keep saying this because I feel like it's applicable. Last night, Providence did a chin-up, right? Like a kind of like a baby little, you know, just get your chin over the bar if you're doing pull-ups or chin-ups. What Providence needs to do is start doing pull-ups, right? Like get entirely up over the bar here because you're eight and seven in conference play. Your record is what's keeping you alone in fifth place. But if Villanova was to win and go in eight, eight and seven, Providence drops to six because of tiebreakers. Same with Xavier, right? So record isn't going to do it now. You need to start factoring in head-to-head tiebreakers. And that's where a win over Xavier not only gets you to nine and seven, but gives you the tiebreaker over them should you know it should things get to like the same record log jam during Big East tournament seeding time um but yeah get two games over 500 get to nine wins in conference play you know then you're really up and, and starting to pull yourself up out of the log jam providence did a chin up last night um yeah i mean go to cincinnati xavier i mean i don't know if you pay attention to xavier twitter peter but they are all <laughs> over the place right now with the Sean Miller yeah. and I think it's Ohio state rumors. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's also rumors going around that Greg McDermott is interested in that job. So, uh, you know, take everything with a grain of salt at this point in time during the year. Uh, I'm just going to repeat what was said to us as Ed Cooley rumors were floating during this time span, 365 days ago, but take all of that with a grain of salt. Um, all right. In closing here, Providence escapes DePaul at home, 81-70. They'll have a few days off before taking the road and playing Xavier. That game is on Wednesday. That's the 21st at 8 o'clock. Unfortunately, that one is on CBS Sports Network before the final stretch of FS1 and Fox games to close out the regular season. This This podcast, as always, is brought to you by House Enterprise. Head over to our website, house-enterprise.com to check out all of the content that our creators produce. For Peter DiBiase, I'm Joe Howie. Thank you, as always, for listening, and go Friars. Go Friars.